Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, Dougie Doug Mellard. Hey, Doug Benson. <laughs> Today we've got uh, two characters from the what? Suicide Squad movie on the show. No way. Yeah, they're both played by Steve Agee. Uh, he's King Shark, or at least ran around in King Shark costume, and then they used <laughs> Stallone's voice afterwards, but he did the heavy lifting. And... Uh, He's also the, the guy sitting next to Amanda Waller uh, who has a conscience. Yeah. Yeah. Longtime friend of mine. I was going to say of the show. It's his first time on this show. Uh, but you know him from Sarah Silverman program, Guardians of the Galaxy, Superstore, uh, constantly working character actor, and an excellent photographer to boot. Ooh. Also talked me through it when I was in the hospital with a uh, kidney stone. Cool. Yeah, he was really comforting. So uh, let's go to work. Hello, Steve Agee. Oh my God. Hi guys. Hi Dougs. Hey, hello. <laughs> How's it going, man? It's going great. I'm finally back in LA after, you know, a very, 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 very long time. Yeah. I mean, uh, you shot a movie and a, and a series. And then I also yeah. heard that you, uh, you know, we're, we're crashing in different places. Cause, uh, because of the pandemic. Yeah. I got Everything back. was crazy. I got back from suicide squad like two weeks before the pandemic lockdown. And so nobody was showing apartments or houses or anything. So it was just like scrambling to find a place to stay. And so I ended up, you know, hiding out in Joshua tree for like the first half of all of that. Um, which is not a bad deal. I went no. out to uh, Palm Springs a few times during it and just, yeah. you know, just to get away and hang out somewhere where you could just, you know, be outside all the time. And um, uh, so that, that must've been cool, but also you knew, you knew after Suicide Squad that you'd be in the, t the Peacemaker TV series, right? No, I, we finished that and I thought that's it. Hopefully this, you know, we knew shooting it, that it wasn't coming out for like two years. Yeah. And, um, I just thought that's it for, you know, John economist and King shark, you know, hopefully the movie does well and we get a sequel so I can do more, but that'll be a while. And, and then last August, I, August or September, James called me and said, Hey, I didn't want to tell you this, but cause I didn't want to get your hopes up. And now that it looks like it's happening, he's like, we're going to do a spinoff with John Cena's character and, and we want you to be in it. And so I didn't find out to like, God, it was September or October of last year. And then within oh, two, man. two months I was up in Vancouver. I thought like, you know, watching the movie, I was just like, damn, this is like beautiful the uh -huh. way they're setting up uh, Steve for the series. But that's not what was going on at, at that point. No, like James Gunn wrote the Peacemaker series as like just something to do during the pandemic. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty much stuck, you know, looking at edits and giving notes and visual effects stuff from home. And, um, I think it was going so well that Warner brothers said, Hey, if you could do a spinoff of one of the characters, who would you choose? And he said, um, peacemaker. And they just were like, yeah, let's do it. Eight episodes, start, <laughs> start writing it. And 
she really <laughs> thrives on like, you know, time restraints and like schedules. And so he, he wrote it in like just a few months. It was cr- like eight episodes all by himself, no writer's room. And um, they're really solid. And like, even the drafts that came in after the first ones didn't change that much. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's uh he's, he's pretty talented and just the, yeah. just the way that he has so much great character development in his films that are only uh, 90 minutes, two hours long, like uh, you know, him, him doing a being behind, you know, in charge of a series. I'm just so excited because yeah, it's eight it's hours. Be a really. <laughs> it's going to be a really interesting show. I think. Yeah. Everyone um, has arcs in this. It's, Oh my God, man. I can't, I was really looking forward to the movie. I knew it was going to be awesome and like huge and cinematic, but this, this TV show is so out of control, man. It's going to be great. (laughs) Uh, Very excited uh, for the show and for you. Um, We talk a lot about names here and this is one of the weirdest, not weirdest, but it's a thing I didn't know about the two of us, but our first and middle names are just uh, transposed. You're Doug, you're Douglas Stephen uh, Benson. Yeah. And you're Stephen Douglas Agee. Yeah. I'm we never, du- we never figured that out until today. <laughs> oh, I was hoping I was going to be able to blow your mind with that fact that I'm a Douglas. Was it my- really? That was the fact that you yeah. warned us about. Yeah. I was like, I've never talked to Doug that my middle name is Doug or Douglas. And yeah, it was my father's first name. Oh, we do. Uh, yeah. My parents pulled it out of, their ass they didn't they were just every time i asked them why douglas they were just like we just both thought let's call it douglas um, it's weird too because with my name i always go by steve but saying steve douglas ag sounds weirder than like <laughs> yeah, totally. steven douglas ag yeah or steve doug is that, that, those names just don't don't work together oh, as yeah, a first yeah, and middle no. name <laughs> no steven doug ag sounds really weird too <laughs> Yeah, you really need those. Those double syllables are really good. Like that's uh-huh. why I think that Douglas Stephen Benson works is because it just got a rhythm to it. But yes, you know, I, nobody ever hears all of it anyway. Uh, but, other, um, other Doug, what's your middle name? Kyle. So yeah, it's, it's, oh, it, that is why it's weird because Doug, Doug Kyle, Doug Kyle, or <laughs> or even Douglas Kyle. That's also weird because it's got that yeah. sudden abrupt, you know. Stop. I mean, Doug Kyle. You might as well call yourself Dog Pile. <laughs> Yay, another horrible nickname. <laughs> I won't say it again, I promise. No. Um, just the <laughs> listeners will. You're going to yeah, get all these yeah. tweets. <laughs> also, Steve, this is a kind of a sidebar. It doesn't have to do with names, really, but I think you're the actor that I've worked with the most. Yeah. I, I, either either yeah. together or just we're in the same thing and we don't have scenes together. Yeah, you're the worst, Sarah Silverman. Um, what else have we, we've done? Another period. Here. Another period. Oh yeah, that's right. Another period. You and I are only in that show for one scene, and it's together. <laughs> yeah, like half a second. <laughs> yeah, you and me and Andy Kindler, and then we're going, uh, we're going both to see voices. like a porn show. <laughs> we're both voices in Trover Saves the Universe. Oh yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah, which is that was the most like just. You know, when I played the game, I just intentionally did everything wrong to hear what my character, how my character would insult the player. Yep. Yep. Me too. <laughs> and I had- mean, that, that was a lot of recording. You were in a room like just, I, I bet Justin was like, just riff, just keep talking. Oh like- my God. It was exhaustive. So after a while, mm-hmm. I just started saying sentences that don't even make sense. And of course, those are the yeah. ones he uses because he yeah. loves that. Yeah. He loves when you <laughs> fuck up or say shit that makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so um everybody check out trover saves the universe if you haven't yet you can get it like in it in a form where you wear a helmet you know and it's virtual VR, reality yeah. or whatever uh but you can also just play it normal or you can even just go on i should, probably shouldn't recommend this but you can go on youtube and just watch somebody else play it if you want yeah it's, yeah uh, it's so funny it's just such a funny game um uh, that, uh, he, he, it's exhaust. It's so exhausting that to, to make something like that. I don't know how he does it. I, I don't either. I mean, that's pretty much all he does. I mean, it's the same. The whole process is also just the same as Rick and Morty. 
you know, it's, it's the same thing when you go record a Rick and Morty episode, it's like, just talk, just keep, keep going. Don't stop talking. <laughs> and then as soon as you fuck up, that's what they use. <laughs> as soon as you break, like if you laugh during a sentence, it's yes, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, all right. So we got suicide squad. The suicide squad is on HBO Max for another few days. It's only on there for a month, so it'll be gone by September something. And then, uh, of course, it's playing in theaters. I recommend trying to get out and see it in IMAX if you if you can. Yeah, if if you're scared or paranoid, go go see an early you know matinee. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it really does make a huge difference seeing it. Like if you can see it in IMAX, that would be ideal. It's just such a, the visuals are so incredible through most of the movie. And then, you know, to see it that large is really, and IMAX screens are never, they're always hundreds of seats. So like, like Steve is saying, if you go to a matinee, you don't have to sit near anybody and you can leave your mask on if you want to. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's a, it's pretty chill. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, You know, I, that's what I always loved about the movies is you could strategically go watch one either by yourself or with only a few other people mm-hmm. and, uh, or rent know. a theater, P- pitch in. And <laughs> yeah. I, I have some friends that they, they all pitched in and they, they rented a theater. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a smart move, but then, uh, what's the trajectory for peacemaker when, when, and where is it going to appear? Not that far off. It's uh, they're dropping the first three episodes at once in January. Oh man. That's just like five, five, five months away. I think four or five months. Yeah. That's still too far. I would have started watching it the second the suicide squad was over. I was like, so invested in, uh, moving forward in that story. Also just, I mean, it's nice of, uh, James to not, you know, to kind of hold back without getting your, your, uh, hopes up. But, uh, also though you did still sit next to, Viola Davis day after day for a week. Yeah. We shot her, (laughs) we shot her stuff really, really quick. She's was working on, I think like two TV shows at the same time. And so we had her for like two days at the beginning of the shoot in, in like September of 2019. And then five days at the end of the shoot in January, 2020, Five, five, like 18 hour days. No, no. James always shoots, uh, they call it French hours. It's like 10 hour days. Like no matter what, I, I don't think I ever worked past, you know, if we worked a day instead of a night, I don't think I ever worked past like 7 PM. Have you ever been in a Clint Eastwood movie? No, but I hear it's incredible. (laughs) I mean, that just sounds like just a walk in the park being in one of his movies. Cause it's, uh, you know, you shoot for a few hours, you break for a long lunch, you shoot for another couple hours and you're gone. He never does more than two takes of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That's why the acting great. sucks in his movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I shouldn't say it sucks, but you know, he, he hires a lot of people that know what they're doing. So, so they get by fine, you know, but yeah. lately he's been doing these movies that are just reenactments of things. And he's just hiring non-actors to do it. And it's just like, what are you doing? You're not good with, non-actors oh yeah that's right um but also he's a million years old and so (laughs) he should just go somewhere and talk to a chair um he's never gonna (laughs) he's never gonna top unforgiven do you think by the way speaking of directors getting older and stuff do you think tarantino's really gonna only do 10 movies and that's it (laughs) i i think he is just because his passions seem to be able to keep him happy. You know, he doesn't seem like he'd get bored not directing a movie because he right. wrote a whole book version of uh, his yeah. last movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's seems very hands-on at the uh, new Beverly. Like their, yeah. their schedule is just crazy. Cause he, he puts up the most uh, interesting stuff over there. Um, yeah. I, I, I also think he gets married to I, I, certain ideas that, I, I think he's just going to be stubborn about it. Like he decided he's just going to do 10. And is that you know, just he directing might, uh... or is it like, oh, I'm still going to write, but I just, cause yeah, I, he I heard write. him say, I, I directors, someone asked him and he's just like, yeah, man, directors don't get better. The older they get. Wow. <laughs> that is a great, great point. I, I, uh, <laughs> I right. dare say all the great directors made a real clunker. Towards the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a couple directors I'm waiting on to, to make a bad movie, but there aren't too many of those. Like uh, everybody kind of has to eventually because, you know, sure. you just can't control. there's so much that's out of your control. It's amazing yeah. when, uh, you know, there's these filmmakers that are out there that, uh, you know, most of their stuff works because mm-hmm. uh, it's just, you know, like like an example is like Edgar Wright's Baby Driver from the, that idea in his head to making that movie. He did everything perfectly. Yeah, You know, like he executed that perfectly. That movie could suck so many different ways. <laughs> well, it's why you know? it's also why he was ousted from uh, Ant-Man. He was just like, he, they didn't want to, I guess, let him do it his way. And Yeah, that was a bummer. Cause that was that, that, you know, he didn't end up making a movie for like two years because he spent so much time yeah. uh, kind of perfecting what they ended up using in the movie. You know, yeah. it, it, like some of his stuff is in there. Yep. Um, okay, so have you met Sylvester Stallone? I have. I met him very briefly when we were doing Guardians of the Galaxy 2. There was no way in in hell that he would have remembered it, you know? It was very <laughs> yeah. overwhelming. It's that scene in you know out in the snow where he's yelling at uh Rooker. Um so I, I just met him very briefly and um and then uh, the next time I saw him was just like a couple weeks ago at the premiere. I walked up. I, I just walked up to him and was like, hey, man, I feel like I go, we've met. I go, there's no way you would remember it. I'm like, but I, I feel like I should tell you. I was the guy who played King Shark on set. And uh, he was super fucking great about it. He was like, oh, my God, man, I can't believe you. You had to do all that running. <laughs> like, that was a lot of running, man. That's that's amazing. Like he was super cool about it. Yeah, you didn't have to run up steps though, like he did. <laughs> I had to do a lot of running. <laughs> yeah, how how heavy was that costume? Or like well, the, the first, I, I had this big like foam chest piece that. Uh, the first, it went through a couple different versions. The first time I got there, the first thing, the first thing I shot for Suicide Squad was, um, it was just a full day of just me in that aquarium where King Shark's running around yeah. with the fish chasing him. Um, you know, where you're saying dumb friend, new dumb friend, like that whole scene <laughs> where he's just, and it was just a whole day of running, just running. And they gave me the, it's called a displacement suit, the chess piece. And, and the first thing they did when they gave it to me, they were like, we're really sorry. We didn't know it was going to be this heavy. Oh, <laughs> my God. And cause it was just foam, but they sprayed it down with something to give it texture. And, um, it, it had to avoid at least 40 pounds. And, um, and so that it was really uncomfortable, really tight, but, um, you know, after about two months, they came back and they're like, here's a new one. And it was way, 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 way better, which is good because um, Panama was really hot. And that was a lot of running in Panama. Yeah, you actually you started off in uh, Atlanta mm-hmm. and then the production moved to, to Panama for how long were you there for? I think we were there for three weeks. Wow. We did a, a week and a half in Panama City, which is where the, you know, all the stuff where the palace was, where Harley is and like all the really uh-huh. cool, beautiful outside stuff around the palace. And and then um, the second half, we moved to this place called Cologne, which was on the eastern side of the Panama Canal and um, just like the most run down. That's what we use for, you know fighting Starro and all the destruction of the city because it, it was just Cologne is kind of in shambles. It's re- James wanted something that was colorful. Cause you know, he, he uses a lot of colors in his movies. And I think they originally probably wanted to shoot in like Cuba, but there's no way that was going to happen. Cause they have all those pastel colored built old buildings, which look really cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think the closest thing they could find was uh, Cologne, Panama, which it really was like tragically, poetically beautiful. Like it was just, that's where uh, Noriega was, you know, the, the dictator and what it was the eighties or seventies. And 
the the whole city rioted and it just got destroyed and everyone left. And so it's just been like that since Noriega and, um, you know, Ugh, and now they got to deal with Starro. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> we really fucked them up. Um, but I think the only other thing that's shot down there was one of the James Bond movies, the, the Daniel Craig movies used it for Haiti to give you an idea of what Cologne Panama is like. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was the one where, remember the one where he, a building collapses and he just, he's on the roof and somehow he just collapses with it and then walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it might have been, man. It was, I mean, it was, it was bonkers, but uh, it looks so good. And, you know, in the actual end product, like, oh my God, it's amazing. Don't you feel like, um, like you could do this King Shark voice? <laughs> I would love to do the King Shark voice. You know, there's obviously there's, you know, creative and, uh, you well, know, financial considerations going into having Stallone be the voice. It's, it's really well, cool. I'll tell you what, it would have done more for my career than it would have for Stallone's. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, you know, when James first told me about it, he's like, we need somebody on set to do what basically what Sean did for Rocket mm -hmm. in, the, in the Guardians movies. He's like, we need, I, he's like, I need somebody tall who's funny and can, you know, improvise if we have to. And he's, he's like, I think you're, you'd be perfect for it. So I always knew I was really going down to do the motion capture. And, you know, as soon, James, James has said he wanted Stallone to do it, but he didn't think Stallone would do it. So he didn't ask him until like after we had finished shooting, but before when we did the table read, I was doing like kind of a deep menacing voice, you know, and, and James was just afterwards, James was like, I don't think he's like that scary. Um, he, and so he wanted me to have it, at least something similar while we were shooting, even though they weren't going to use it. So he's like, think Stallone, but like kind of a slower, dumbed down version of Stallone. And uh, I was like, all right, so I just talk like this for, you know, the whole time yeah. we were shooting. But I just remember going. He's going to use Stallone. It's going to be Stallone. It's going to be Stallone. <laughs> so I was not surprised when that happened, but um, yeah. Well, it's like a tradition for now for James Gunn to give characters that barely speak anyway, our voice by uh, movie, movie tough guys. <laughs> yeah. Also, by the way, I don't know if you saw that article, this, this movie is, has put Stallone in a number one movie in every decade for the last, like since like the seventies. Yeah. Since Rocky in like 75, 76, he has been in a number one movie every decade, decade since the seventies. <laughs> That's pretty, uh, pretty sweet. He, he didn't really have to lift too many fingers for this one. Yeah. No, uh, no. <laughs> uh, now he's now he's just coasting on being legendary. And um yeah. you know, if they make a cartoon version, I would hope they would just call you and not bother him with it. I give you all to. that, give you all that money. <laughs> <laughs> You're the closest to the character of anybody, I feel. Um same body. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? No way. <laughs> he's so he's so wide, like he's like uh you know, almost feels as wide as he is tall. He's such a big, uh, yeah. That's why I had to wear that chest piece. I didn't have to wear the chest piece when we were in like open areas, like when we were out running on the street and stuff where it's wide open, I didn't have to wear that chest piece. I mean, they, the reason they call it a displacement suit is so if you're in a tight area, like walking through trees in the jungle, I had to wear it. So the, uh, VFX crew would know, you know, how far out the bushes would be moving as I'm walking through or stuff like when we're in the van with everybody. So it's like, so people wouldn't get too close and be inside of King shark's body. So it's like, <laughs> you know, did you, uh, did you get to witness much of, uh, of uh, Sean Gunn playing the um, weasel? 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 I, I, no, I never saw it. I never, worked on any <laughs> of imagining him doing that on set. Like that character is so weird. Uh, <laughs> and that's fully, and that's fully Sean. Actually, I did see, I went, I went to set when they were shooting the, uh, all the stuff of them riding in the Osprey where Pete's like saying, is this a, what kind of dog is this? And <laughs> I was there to watch all that stuff, which was really funny, but yeah, <laughs> Sean is amazing. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, he did Rocket in both of the Guardians movies. And, uh, but I love that uh, James makes sure that you guys get, you know, some sort of uh, speaking role because uh, yeah. officially Michael Rooker and Sean Gunn have both been in all of James Gunn's movies, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, going all I the think, way back to Tromia, uh, tr- was it, uh, Tromeo or I should say Julia? his five movies that he's done, like as a, you know, kind of, uh, on his own or whatever. Oh yeah. But they've in been Slither, it's, it's, Slither, it's been him and those guys. And, uh, and also he's only in a picture in the background, but, uh, Nathan, yes. uh, also sh- is also kind of in all five movies. <laughs> and also our, our friend Michaela Hoover, she, she has a cameo in like all of his movies as well. Well, you get to say the C word in uh, in uh, Super, so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> it was funny because he with Super, I was supposed to have a, a bigger part in that. Um, they were shooting it in Shreveport. I I would have had to work as a local hire, which means you basically get yourself to Shreveport and put yourself up, and you know you just get like a day player rate which I, I was like all for, cause I, I love James. I think all of this stuff is amazing. So I was like, yes, I'll do it. I'll, you know, I'd most likely be losing money to go do this, but it was one of the part of one of, uh, Kevin Bacon's henchmen. And, oh. um, t- like two weeks before I was supposed to go, I get a call from my agent going, um, we, uh, we got an offer for you for an episode of two broke girls. And it shot at the same time. And it was for a shitload of money. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I was so goddamn broke at the time. I was like, fuck. And so I spent like f- four or five days just like pacing around going, <laughs> what do I fucking do? I, I need this money. But I, even though James and I are very close in age, he feels like a father figure to me. I was like, I can't disappoint James. And I, I just want to keep working with James. And so I eventually called him and I, I told him the situation. And he, he was just like, what are you insane? Of course you have to go do two broke girls. He's, oh, like, wow. he's like, go do two broke girls. He's like, when we do reshoots in LA, I'll find something for you. And so it was the scene in the, the comic book store. He called me when they got back and he, he's like, I have this scene. He's like, it's really small. It's like with Rain Wilson and, and, uh, you know, you're kind of making fun of him and just jokingly, I go, I'll do it, but only if I can call him a cunt <laughs> <laughs> and boom, I show up on the day and it's in the script. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, was only movie, joking. <laughs> that movie pushed it in every way that it could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, when James had that whole Twitter scandal, I was like, has nobody seen super? I mean, <laughs> Or any of his movies, wild like ideas, <laughs> PG porn, all of his stuff is like dark. Oh yeah, forget about that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, um, let's talk about the name. Just the name Steve. <laughs> like growing up, did you? What was your relationship with that name? Like, because as Dougs, we you know sort of feel like uh, you know it wasn't the greatest name to have, but also it's not terrible. Doug is but a like, very proper adult name. Really? I don't picture <laughs> little kids named Doug. It's yeah. Like, it's like Gary. It's like you never see a baby named Gary. <laughs> I don't think I've ever looked at, I've gone to see a, you know, friends who have a baby and they're like, this is Doug. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Doug's a very, it's like a proper adult name, I think. And, um, I think the, the same way with Steve or Steven, it doesn't seem like a little kid's name, but I, I never, a... I never had a problem with it. I didn't, I, I know people who had like names that they're like, ugh, I wish I could change my name. No, and you see, you know, for whatever reason, you seem like a Steve, you know, how every once in a while you just meet somebody and you go, oh, it's uh, not really, I don't feel like they're the match their name, but yes, but Steve yes. has always made sense for you yeah. to me anyway. Um, and uh Yeah. It's uh, did you ever take Spanish classes in school? Esteban. Yeah, I did. I took <laughs> two years of Spanish. <laughs> That's where I got fucked is because there's no translation for Douglas. So they called me Esteban because that was my middle name. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, see, you have one of those names where it's like you can watch people, you can be in like Mexico and know people are talking about you because you'll just hear Doug. <laughs> 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 yeah, it really stands out. Like if you're watching a, a, a French film. Yes. I love, a character I, named Doug. <laughs> I love TV or movies where there's just like, there isn't a version of that word or name in that language. And so it's just like, Pepsi-Cola. <laughs> it just really pops. Mm-hmm. Have you known other than myself and uh, having met Doug Mellard a few times, what, what other Dougs have been in your life? Have you known anybody named Doug? a really good friend in high school named Doug Sampson, which is a great name. Yeah. He sounds strong. And he fully fit that. Nobody fit that name better than Doug Sampson. He always wore (laughs) sleeveless t-shirts and and jeans. He had kind of shoulder length long. He looked very seventies, but this was in the eighties. He drove one of those um, off-road VW bugs. You know, they're called Baja bugs. You know, it's a Volkswagen with like the bigger tires and a roll cage inside. (laughs) Yeah. And he, for going out on the beach. And he took like duct tape and he made the Van Halen symbol on the doors. Yes. (laughs) And there was, he was a perfect Doug. Like he was, <laughs> he was so great, man. I, I often wonder what happened to Doug Sampson, man. That dude was great. Do you think, uh, so you've never really, like done any steps towards trying to find out whatever happened to him. You just wonder about it sometimes. I I've actually, yeah, I've like Googled or like tried searching on um, Facebook, but I, I don't know if you've ever tried looking up someone who, who doesn't have the most unique name. Yeah. Just, and it's just like, like you go to, you would probably type in Doug Benson in a search on Instagram and there would be like 200, like, you know, variations, but yeah. 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 So yeah, it's I, true. That's why, that's why I'm lucky that like for, you know, cause of the algorithm or whatever that I'll, I'll be high up on that list, but it is, it is a pretty common name. And Doug Sampson, like you just know, if you just write Doug Sampson in Google, it's, it's going to show you 50 or more Doug Sampson articles or things. But I feel like it on Instagram, if there's 200 that pull up, you just look for the one that has the, the social, like the picture of the VW bug with the Van Halen. Like it yeah. seems like he would still have that. That's gotta be his avatar. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Or, <laughs> or just like, you know, it's it all, all the account. I get really frustrated when I'll, I'll find an account like that, but it's private. And I'm like, Oh, I have no idea. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's where, so you knew him in, in what city were you in? This was um, Inland Empire. This was like Redland, San Bernardino area. Yeah, so that might help a little bit because uh, I feel like he might not have left that area. Don't you feel like people would just sort of stay there that live there? A lot of people did, yeah. I have a lot yeah. of friends from high school who are still in Riverside and San Bernardino. Which is good to have them all in one place, right? You can, you can choose to visit when you feel like it. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody for a long time when I lived in LA, every everybody in my life that I knew previous to living in LA all lived in San Diego. So it was just easy for me to, you know, see them when I wanted to and then uh, you know eventually pretty much lose touch with everybody. Are you are you from San Diego? Mm-hmm. Where whereabouts? Uh born in La Mesa and then oh, uh, yeah. lived, lived in uh uh San Car the San Carlos area. Okay. I was gonna go to uh what was it called? Patrick Henry High School. Mm-hmm. Uh and my parents moved from San Carlos to El Cajon. Oh my god. <laughs> right? It sounds like a terrible move, but it was crazy because they did it because uh of the I don't like Monday's shooting that happened at that school. Oh, when that girl heard the, heard the, I don't like Monday song by the boomtown rats and, or yeah. no, it's the other way around. She did it. And then they wrote a song about it, but that I don't like Monday's girl. That was a reason for shooting up to school. Um, that was that school. So my parents were like, let's that. go somewhere else. Like El Cajon is it's going to happen again. You know, really? how people true, true. El Cajon <laughs> is like, that's borderline desert. 
Uh, yeah, it's very hot out there, but they had like a, a performing arts center. So I got to, uh, appear in a few, uh, musicals there and, uh, West you know, just, <laughs> and, uh, and I also just L- LA Disneyland and LA and Hollywood were all way too close. Like I was just always driving, driving. The second I yeah. could start driving, I yeah. just spent so much time, uh, leaving, uh, San Diego. And then I just worked uh, a few jobs until I could afford to, you know, just move to LA and I, and I never looked back, but it's great wow. to have a, I, it's I great was, to be from somewhere that's a two hour drive. So if yeah. I do, do, ever did feel like going home, it was easy. Well, yeah, I always say that I'm like, uh, you know, there were no stakes in me moving to Los Angeles. Cause if shit didn't work out, I could be back at my parents in an hour. Um, but I, I was in a band in college and two of the band members were from San Diego. So we would play half our shows in LA and half our shows in San Diego at like Soma and, uh, Casbah. And there's a bar called Bodie's, I think downtown. And, um, and we practiced, uh, in old town, San Diego and our drummers, parents owned a bridal gown shop and we would practice <laughs> in the shop surrounded by bridal dresses. <laughs> what was the name of the band? The Grazers. The Grazers. Yeah. Did you ever make any videos? No. That would make some recordings. I got to find those. That's a good idea for a video though. A band just playing in a bridal. Yep. Store. Totally. Just women walking around trying on dresses. <laughs> God damn it. I wish I could go back. In time. Right. Like the women are trying, they're playing and the women have to kind of walk around this band while they're trying to look at their, to see themselves in the mirror. That would have been so perfect. Like now you could totally do that. This was like the early nineties when nobody could afford a video camera. Cause they were all like $2,000. <laughs> It was always just an uncle. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I borrowed a camera from Todd Glass once, and then it got stolen out of the back of my car and out of the trunk while you know, because I parked it overnight and it was in the trunk. I was like, "What what possibly happened?" Somebody broke into it, took it, and Todd was like, "Well, that wasn't really my camera; it was my mother's camera, so I really can't just." You know, can't just walk away from this. And so Todd set up a payment plan (laughs) so that I could pay 25 bucks a month until it was paid off. And I did it. And it it was, you know, not that difficult to do. And uh, so he got all the money. But it was just like, Todd, that is a really smart way to get money back from a friend. (laughs) It's just set up a thing where I had to pay it or it would fuck up my credit. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of uh, forgotten that that even happened. Have you ever, have you ever played someone named Doug in anything, Steve? Uh, wow. I don't think I have. I've played a lot of Steve's. I, I somehow, <laughs> you know, on Sarah's show, I played Steve. Was your character, you, I mean, you played yourself and you're the worst. I sure did. A version of yourself. Yeah, a wild version, a version of myself that I kind of wish I, it was real. Owned, owned um, an empire yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that was one where i was I, it, it was funny when i did uh curb your enthusiasm you know they didn't assign me a, a character name and yeah. we're just sitting there riffing and um jeremy kramer was in uh the scene with me and so he just started he would just refer to me as doug in the scene <laughs> and so suddenly i was now i'm playing doug on curb your enthusiasm yeah. but it wasn't it was a character. It wasn't me. I'm telling you, I would not, I would not behave the way the character does. Did <laughs> right. you see that this very morning, Larry David got into a yes. loud verbal yeah. argument oh with Alan Yes. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And love on, it. Uh, Martha's Vineyard and Dershowitz was kind of like, why can't we be friends? And, and Larry David was like, are you, are you insane? Why would I be friends with you? <laughs> I will you're, list the reasons. You're an yeah. asshole. Where do I start? Yeah. You know, and then he's like, Hey, it's called. And then he ripped off his shirt and had an underlying shirt that he shows to people when they're arguing with him about him defending Donald Trump. And the shirt says uh, something about the constitution on it. Yeah. And that's his argument is like, you know, well, (laughs) that's the system we have is that I have to defend that man. If you have to wear a shirt because you get yelled at so much, you should just dig deeper and think about what you've done, you know? Yeah. And it was an undershirt. 
It was a, a shirt. He had to take off a shirt to reveal. <laughs> oh he's standing. God. I mean, if Larry David doesn't just put this fucking scene on the show, he's crazy. Because it's just oh, yeah. hilarious that it's, it's so Larry. It's so on brand for Larry David to just, you know, that should be the next season of the show. Just going around to celebrities and uh, giving him shit for supporting Trump. <laughs> I heard, that would be I, I, so funny. <laughs> I heard a guy, I can't remember who I heard this from. I think it was a crew member on another show I was working on, but they, they said, uh, Larry David was driving off the lot at, um, um, CBS Radford over in studio city. And, um, someone else was driving onto the lot, like a grip, somebody, you know, a low status teamster who had like a truck that was just spewing, like exhaust out of a broken, you know, tailpipe. Uh-huh. And, you know, Larry drives a Prius. He's one of the early, you know, yeah. Prius celebrities, him and Leo DiCaprio. And he's, and this guy's driving on and Larry's driving off. And, and the way I was told is Larry just started screaming at the guy. What the fuck are you doing? Do you know what you're doing in the environment? And they, they, the guy just yelled at him and goes, I'm poor. <laughs> whoa that is a good point yeah like that's got to be super frustrating to be to have all the money to do anything you want with but you cannot stop pollution yeah <laughs> you unless know? you're jeff bezos yeah he could but he's he'd rather go fart around in space it <laughs> <laughs> is such a white billionaire thing to do Oh, I just, I, I, if the first one that dies out there, I will applaud them. (laughs) (laughs) I'll drink a 40 for them and not spill a drop. Mm -mm. Nope. (laughs) Pour it out in space. Zero gravity. (laughs) Uh, All right. We got to take a break, but we've got a very exciting thing coming up in the show because we've got five and five questions for you. We've each written five questions specifically for Stephen Douglas Agee, and (laughs) we will ask you those right after the break. We'll be right back. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're back. We've got <laughs> five and five questions for you, Steve Ag. Okay. But first, before we do that, we would like to eat some leftovers. That's right. We didn't get to all of our questions on last week's show, and we don't want them to go to waste. We're like Larry David. We're very environmentally conscious, uh, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, so would you mind answering some questions we didn't get to? Uh, our guest was Andy Wood. Oh, yeah, I listened. Oh, you oh, heard it. Yeah, oh, I didn't I didn't finish. I started listening today. I was like, I got to listen to some of this. So I, I, I was listening to most of Andy's uh, episode. Oh, OK. So, um, you know, we didn't get to uh, his questions. Right. And uh, we asked him questions that were for whoever the guest was before that. So, That's that <laughs> yeah. So, um Let's go ahead and uh, and do this. Do Andy's questions, and then and then we'll get then we'll go to Steve's. So, okay. uh, Doug Miller, this is and you know you can answer it however you want. You know what, what you could speculate what Andy would say, or just answer it from your own perspective. Okay, uh, I'll preface my answers with Steve or Andy. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, I love that. <laughs> All right, Doug Miller. What's the first question? All right, first question I had for Andy was. 
How would you have felt had Aaron Rodgers taken over as Jeopardy host? We talked a lot about the different potential hosts for Jeopardy because Andy was on quite a few times, but. I think Andy, Andy, I would have been fucking furious. (laughs) (laughs) I would have written several letters to the network. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's a good answer. I like that. Um, we'll see if Andy agrees with that assessment. Though. <laughs> Probably not. He'll be like, don't, don't say that. I want to, he wants to come back for some super championship or something. <laughs> um, we talked a lot about Jeopardy on mm-hmm. the episode with Andy. So it's kind of amazing that, uh, you know, I didn't get to this question uh, cause I would have really liked to know. And it's, sort of similar to Doug's question. I was going to say, you're a Jeopardy champ, Andy. How much longer do you think current Jeopardy champ, Matt Amodio is going to go? Boy, I, I have not been watching Jeopardy since the turnover. So I don't know as Steve, but um, I'll, I'll answer as Andy, who's very polite and non-controversial so uh, i i i hope he goes on for several several more uh weeks (laughs) (laughs) he has been going uh for i think four weeks now oh my god that's amazing that's great lord yeah uh he's just been going through all the like the, the last four guest hosts before they stopped showing those were uh they each did one week and i think i think matt just lasted through all of them which is another thing that shows what a good player he is that the the different tempo of the different guest hosts didn't throw yeah. him off yeah so this guy i think there's a chance he might never lose he's gonna uh, be like a ken jennings well even even more fierce than ken jennings because like final jeopardy never matters i mean mattered once or twice but for the most part he's always got so many more points than everybody else by final jeopardy that he can just wager a small enough amount that he's you know doesn't matter what happens in final jeopardy in fact uh what's his name uh what's the name of the sports guy joe buck joe buck Yeah. yeah Yeah, he uh, one night when uh, one of the competitors could actually possibly, ha- you know, had enough in their bank to possibly beat Matt. But when he came back, you know, because he's a sports guy, you know, he had to say, he's like, well, I'll tell you, this is the first time since I've been here that there's actual tension going into. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck you, previous contestants. Yeah, because it really is. It's just a like some people are in the negative at the end. Like Matt's wow. only had to go up against one other competitor. Like he's just he's just got this style and he knows all the answers. And it's just I, I don't know how he's going to get beat. I mean, he will. He'll trip up at some point. But do you know JP Manu? I do. He went on Jeopardy, and apparently, I mean, I, the way the story goes, I believe is he tried out for it, didn't get on went back, tried out, and then started to notice a pattern in the questionnaires for the tryouts. So after doing it several times, he got same, you know, the same tryout quizzes over and over. So he just memorized the answers and then got on the show and then just at one point just started buzzing in first and giving wrong answers and has like, one of the biggest negative deficits of anybody <laughs> oh. in Jeopardy. <laughs> Just because he thought I'm not going to win, so I might as well really, really yeah, fuck around. Like I'm still going to hit this fucking buzzer. <laughs> wow. yeah, I mean, not, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's good for him, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I, you know, I floated this by Andy, and since he was on just recently, I guess it was kind of insulting. But I feel like that the contestants because of the pandemic, they've drawn from a smaller pool because people aren't, you know, as willing to travel uh, to be on it, you know, Jeopardy. So, um, you know, it's just mostly like California people. And, you know, I personally know about the education system in California. So mm-hmm. I think the contestants have been a little weaker lately, but they also have to deal with guests who have a different rhythm than, uh, than dear departed Alex. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, Doug Mellard, you're up. Question number two. 
All right. I was going to try to stump Andy on a couple random trivia questions. Uh, first one, <laughs> how many horses died in World War One? Take a wild guess. Or I could give I you mean, a point. Oh, no, no. I'll guess 2,000 okay. horses. <laughs> Eight million. You're, you're what? That's, yeah. Isn't that wild? What was were all the troops eating horses? What? Well, but think about it. There, there wasn't like as many like tanks and, you know, there wasn't the, the, you know, it's not, war was very different than it is now. It was more horses, I guess. But yeah, eight million horses. seems like a lot. That is, that is just, crazy. I don't know I could, where they got them from. I could see that happening in like Hiroshima and Nagasaki where we drop an entire bomb on an entire city and like, <laughs> everything everything died but like wow eight million horses yeah i mean they get bullets going everywhere jeez that's that's crazy yeah and i guess if a horse you know breaks a leg you know in battle then they, uh, then they put it down so there's probably yeah, a lot of that true. as well that's true they eight insult the shit out of it and then shoot it yeah <laughs> put it down yeah, I always love that uh, in Ghostbusters too. When when uh, Sigourney Weaver says to Bill Murray, "Can you you know will you put down the baby?" and he goes, "You're ugly and your mother dresses you funny." <laughs> uh, so funny. It's no that man has no dick, but it was it was definitely my favorite line from yes the second one. Um, all right, so Andy Wood, you're a Jeopardy champ. I should just admit right now, all of my questions are about Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. Do you think, <laughs> do you think they made the right choice for the new host or should they have gone with the ghost of Alex Trebek? <laughs> well, Steve Agee would answer ghost every time. Um, yeah. How great would that be? Why can't they just uh, do some hologram shit with Alex and just, he said every word in the English language yes. already on the show. They <laughs> yeah. create a yes. program. Read everything they could have 100 put that together they could yeah. have made that happen yeah robot alex could take over uh jeopardy and then that way well there's no controversy in that right or or do people get you know people don't like robots taking jobs so the, the controversy <laughs> is that the, the guy they chose is like a producer on the show the guy they chose chose himself <laughs> after having a talent search of all these amazing like some of the people on there did a great job and would have mm -hmm. been an awesome new host. Yeah. And he was, he was all right at it. He's been producing yeah. the show for forever. So he's, he knows yeah. how to host it, but yeah. Why, you know, why him? And then now they just keep, you know, everybody's try, trying to take him down. So like, you just keep reading things he's said on podcasts and stuff. And uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just ugly. It's just sad that like, he's probably still going to get to host the show and mm -hmm. nobody really wants him to like, He's like everybody's second choice at best, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's really rooting for that guy at this point? Uh, go Doug. Yeah. If Steven Sly can make a King shark, then we can definitely have a ghost of Alex Trebek hologram for sure. Easily. <laughs> uh, another trivia question. When was the first new year's Eve ball drop in times square? 1932. Well, no, December 31st, 1907. But oh, December 31st that year? Yeah, yeah. Was, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. I would have said the 30th because it was, pro it was so old-timey. It would have taken like two days for it to drop. <laughs> I, wonder what I, just thought of, I just realized something because um, I saw it in a post today somewhere. Um, Steve, you can, there are emojis for the title, the name of your character. There's, there's a King emoji, the crown, yes. and yeah. there's a shark emoji. Like that yeah. doesn't happen very often. No, it's perfect. You know, like David Dasmelchin is his polka dot man. Isn't going to be, mm -mm. you can't build that in. Maybe you can, how would he do that? Build that in, uh, there's emojis. like at the very end of the emojis, there's a bunch of like colored circles. Yeah. I so guess. just do colored circles and then a man's face. And a man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, but yeah. It's not All as right. cool as King Shark, though. No. no, no. It's it's real nice. It's real clean. It's real. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a good uh, it's a good look. I'd put that at the end of every one of my tweets if I were you. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. 
I've been using Who Has My Pig a lot because if you, uh, the Nicolas Cage movie Pig, mm -hmm. uh, in their promotion of that, they made it so that if you go hashtag Who Has My Pig, uh, actual little pig appears at the end of it. <laughs> Uh, so I just movie? use that on I use that on posts where it says it's not even relevant just because I love that I love who has my pig as a hashtag yeah. and, and that an actual pig shows up. Is that movie good? I I, I want to see it. I think you should. I think you should because if they ever remake it, uh, I think it's a role you were born to play. The pig? No, the guy who owns the pig. <laughs> okay. The owner of the pig because he's a he's like this uh, amazing chef who uh, just you know, for various reasons decides to say, you know, fuck it all. And so now he just lives out in the forest with his pig and they find truffles together and that's right. how he makes a living. And then somebody that wants the pig because of its magic truffle finding abilities, uh, steals the pig. <laughs> and then Nicholas Cage has dialogue about cooking and dialogue about where's my pig. And it's all, uh, amazing. Watch He's fantastic it. in it. He's so good. He's love, really, he's, it's him. one of, you know, I mean, you know how committed he is in general. It's one of his more, you know, perfect roles for him in a while. And he, you know, commits to it beautifully. And We're like, not, yeah, go he ahead. has, you know, he gets, he gets a laugh in a couple of spots where like hardly any other actor would, would have been able to pull that off where like, it's mostly a serious movie, but you could still have a good laugh with Nicolas Cage and then get back into the seriousness. <laughs> when uh, I, I love him so much, when, when we were shooting Peacemaker up in Vancouver, I, I got to uh, meet and we'd been trying to hook up and I got to meet and have like dinner with Panos Cosmatos who directed Mandy. Oh man. And I just like, I mean, from, second one all i did was have you know nicholas cage questions <laughs> he loved him he said he was fucking great to work with like he had no complaints about nicholas cage at all oh, nice. i think nicholas cage commits really hard and also has like uh sometimes he has ideas that he probably pushes uh maybe uh, yeah. too hard but that's yeah. you know uh you just see him making like i swear the last few years he comes out with like you know, five or six starring roles a year and maybe an occasional supporting thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they're not all great, but enough of them are great that it's just like, damn, this guy really yeah. loves to act and really commits to it. Yeah. And totally. we went to me and my girlfriend went to the pig premiere and at the after party, he's just sitting at a table chilling with his two kids and his ex and his new girlfriend. And they all seem to all like get along and be like this really, like artistic uh, family. Is that uh, uh, Patricia Arquette? No, no, the other one. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's. I think he's been to the altar a few times. <laughs> yes, few yes, times. yes. Totally. Presley, I believe. Yeah, he's so married yeah, more women. Gotta... <laughs> he's married more women than he's made movies. Oh wow, <laughs> that would be that would be impressive. Um, <laughs> Speaking of impressive, Steve Ag, you took up the whole hour without us ever getting to ask you the questions that we wrote about you. That's how. Oh well. That's how great you are at talking. <laughs> how interesting you are. I can't wait to ask our next guest. The, yeah, this is going to. This is going to be the new format of your show. Is like you're asking think, one guest a previous guest's question for the rest <laughs> of the series. Yeah, and then when, uh, you know, the next time a guest cancels on us last minute, Doug and I will just ask each other the questions. Yes. So you'll get you'll so removed yeah. from the actual person. Yes. <laughs> Do you have anything to plug, Steve Ag? I I know Peacemaker's coming out in January. That's it, yeah. I, uh, um, Where's it going to be? It'll be, uh, it's going to drop the first three episodes. So I, I don't know the date other than January. Um, but like what streaming uh, H, HBO max. Oh, okay. So, uh, uh, HBO max eight weeks, first three sometime mm -hmm. in January. And then the, uh, then the next five will drop weekly. Yeah. That's the game they've been playing lately with shows. And it really, uh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it, you know, because, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, like this show white Lotus, uh, I yeah. just finished that, uh, yeah. recently. And, um, I got impatient waiting a week for each episode, but I also liked it enough to just do that instead of trying to binge it all at the end. 
It's weird going from a world with three television networks and no internet to now all of a sudden there's some shows you can get all at once every episode. And then you get so used to that, that it's like, wait a minute, I'm going to have to wait till next week to watch this shit. (laughs) What's going on? I get it though. A lot of, a lot of shows that they, where they drop all the episodes, like as good as it is or however much people like it, they, they don't, you know, they don't talk about it week after week. They, you know, they yeah. talk about it when they watch it and then that's that, but yep. you know, uh, the people uh, tweeting and social media and water coolers week after week after week is, you know, is still what they need, even though it's not commercial television, it doesn't really matter. It's still just, they just want more views and more subscribers. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know how it'll play out, but I, I know the show's good. We, you know, James wrote all the episodes and we had some great James also directed most of them. We had some guest directors like Jody Hill and oh, um, wow, cool. Brad Anderson who directed the machinist, <laughs> um, who was great, really had a great time. And uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move this conversation over to Doug Loves Movies and streaming TV shows. And um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to see you over there, Steve. And um, yeah. thanks for being here. Doug Miller, do you have any plugs? Uh, real quick. Congrats, Steve. I just really like that's so cool. You're part of the MCU and DC universe. That's awesome. Congrats. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, very exciting. I'm not a comic book guy, but I, I still realize how huge that is. Yeah. You're, but people now are going to want to be part of the SDU, the Stephen Douglas universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, all, all, all comers are welcome. Uh, Doug loves movies.com is where you go for, I'm going to do my plug now, Doug, since you use your plug time to talk I've about got, Steve. I've got a new album coming out. I'm worried about me September 3rd out everywhere. You can do pre-sales now. Cool. Uh, I'm doing the road. I'm doing Moon Tower. I'm doing lots of things that I probably might, maybe shouldn't be. And uh, you can get all the <laughs> all the details at DougLovesMovies.com. And uh, we always try to do like a play on words at the end uh, to give the as the title of the show and the closing words. So for this one, I will just say, as always, Doug saves the universe. <laughs> Got it?